0: Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having an awesome day. I am spinning a little bit from this incredible interview that you're going to listen to in just a minute. Combined with the fact that I am about to do the triathlon that I announced publicly I would do on Sunday. And so I have to do it, even though I'm having second thoughts about waking up early. So on Sunday, I'm going to go do the Boulder Peak Triathlon. This is a race that I won four consecutive times from 2001 to 2004, In 2004, I beat this woman who ended up getting a bronze medal in the Olympics just a few weeks later. I was truly in the prime of my career. In fact, I like to joke that, you know, I could have got a silver. Um, But anyway, I went on to race Ironman Wisconsin instead shortly afterward and wearing the very first skirt, doing all kinds of cool things that paved the way for my next career, so I can't complain at all. So what I guess I'm complaining about right now is um, that I said in February when I turned 45 that I would do an Olympic distance try. I wanted to train for something again. And I did that. I trained. And I actually followed a training plan I created, modified it a little bit here and there. But I put in roughly five to 10 hours every week since mid-February. And uh, looking back... You know, that was good. That's about all I could do. But it's funny because I sit here feeling almost out of shape. (laughs) Like I have no idea what's going to happen on Sunday. And then I remember back to when I was racing and I often would have the same feeling before a big race. I would just sort of feel a little sluggish, like I'm not sure I really trained properly. I have no idea how it's going to go. And so I'm embracing this feeling of, I don't know, expectant pain, suffering, and discomfort. And, uh, and I'm just going to lay in it for a while. I've got two more days. Actually, one of the cool things is that I'm racing age group, and I am in the 45 to 49 age group. And so I am of 17 waves. I am wave 16. So there you have it. I am doing this a whole new way. Many of you are laughing because you're like, well, that's how we all do it. But <laughs> it's new for me. So uh, on top of that, I finish the race. I come home, shower, pack. Because Monday morning, Tim DeBoom, Wilder DeBoom, and I are going to Alaska. See, Tim was—he got involved with this really cool race in Alaska called the Alaska Man Extreme. Any of you who follow Tim know that toward the end of his career, he did a, a race called Norseman Extreme, and probably helped put it on the map. And the next year, it sold out, and now there are these extreme, sort of Ironman-ish distance races all over the world. The Alaska man is the one we are going to, not because any of us are racing, because Tim is helping with uh, race management and specifically the run course. So it's going to be an incredible trip. I've never been to Alaska. i um, really looking forward to just enjoying a week up there. I'm actually going to do an uh, out of office Reply. I've never done that with my email because I just sort of answer all the emails anyway. But I'm going to do it. So if you email me this week, I may not get back to you. In fact, I shouldn't get back to you. We'll leave it at that. Um, But when I get back from Alaska, I am going to pick my first $50 skirt sports gift certificate winner. And if you recall... The way to sign up to win is simply to go over to NicoleDaboom.com and sign up for my newsletter, which I rarely ever send, and someday I will start doing. But for now, we've probably got about five, 600 people on the list, so you get a pretty good chance to uh, to win this thing. So get over there and sign up, and make sure you share it with your friends, Um, now, now with all this talk of the Boulder Peak Try and the Alaska Man Extreme, I'm going to segue it into our guest today. I am so, so lucky. I got the chance to have an exclusive interview with the current winner of the Western States 100. Her name is Kat Bradley, and she's a rock star. This is a woman who is 25 years old, and she just won one of the most famous, most important ultra running races in the world. If you also recall, and you're a fan of the podcast, you may have listened to an episode I did last year with a woman named Gunhild Swenson. She was the oldest woman finisher of that race. I now am proud to say, and I haven't fact checked this, but I've most likely have interviewed the youngest female winner ever of the race. Kat is a woman who is well beyond her years. It's really interesting because it's only in the past, oh, six months or so that I think she has realized the greater platform that she stands on and has come to identify a mission beyond personal athletic pursuits. So I'm very excited to share her with you today and uh, let you in on a little bit of Cat Bradley magic. So with that, let's bring her on all right all right are you ready to go ready to go awesome oh my gosh you have like the best podcast voice oh my gosh thank you so you much you must be doing so many you're like squeezing me in in between what Fallon and <laughs> good morning America <laughs> not quite yet uh,
1: hopefully not
0: <laughs> well hopefully soon because the sport and this these cool things that you're doing they need to get more exposure
1: yeah it's so true especially with female athletes and that's I mean interviews and stuff typically make me super nervous, but, um, being an advocate for women athletes, uh, I, I think it'd just be silly to say no,
0: you know? Well, absolutely. And I mean, in this setting, I mean, come on, this is like the coolest interview you've ever done Uh, because you're sitting (laughs) here with a cup of Alpine start and some bitchin sauce and some Kim and Jake's cake. I know. Lucky me. I know. (laughs) I like to eat during interviews. This is how to recover. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, uh, you know, you mentioned, I think I was gonna wait till the end for this topic, but it's how I met you and you already mentioned it. And it has to do with women's rights in sport. So I met you at Skirt Sports on a panel you were doing about gender equality mm-hmm. in what they call MUT, right? Yeah, MUT, exactly. Mountain Ultra Trail Running, exactly. right? So um, I kinda wanna understand a little more about where you stand on this. Um, I, you know, I do not think there's enough advocates
1: for women in, in all sports, but this is where I have a voice and a platform that just seems to be growing. Um, and, you know, part of the reason why women are underpaid or women don't get equal media coverage is because no one, you know, women are reluctant to speak out and men are reluctant to speak out on the issue, even if they notice it. And I'm hoping that someone hears me, just one one person, one girl, hears me and anywhere across the world, somewhere where girls aren't allowed to run or they don't get the same type of empowerment that I've been able, I've been fortunate to get my entire life. And I'm hoping one, just one girl hears that. And um, the more I get my voice out there, the more likely it is so
0: well it's really true because you know my background is in triathlon and we kind of went through a similar push and actually Mm -hmm. our sport is still going through it where Mm -hmm. there are championship races that don't allow the equal number of women to men for a variety of reasons yeah exactly prize money might be the same you never really know if the pros are making equal sponsor money. That's sort of a little under the table, yeah. hard to get. And that's something that I'm going through right
1: now. Like I, I think arming yourself with information, thankfully I have so many friends who are male, who are male professional athletes that have helped me kind of build this armor of knowledge to let like letting me know what they're making to help me advocate for myself as a female athlete on the monetary side, you know, it's super powerful and it's, I'm so grateful and it's, Like just that, these men are helping me do that shows a huge, huge step for women in this sport. You know?
0: Oh, absolutely! And you know, I'm looking at you, and you're 25 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, most of most of the people listening, when we were 25 years old, we were not out there pushing women's rights and winning world championships. And (laughs) I know your race. It it was or wasn't a world championship. I'm calling it that. Was Western States a world championship? Well, it's
1: part of the ultra. Uh, ultra trail world tour and it's um arguably the most notable it was the first race of that so people say that western states 100 is the world champion 100 mile race um
0: you know, it's Well, the, we're, ta- we're calling <laughs> it that for all our practical purposes. And you know, the point is that you did something incredible out there. Thank you. And I'm going to back us up. And I actually want to start way back when and help people understand how you came to be an ultra runner at just 25 years old. I, I do know a lot of people who are ultra runners, but they often pick it up at like 35 or 40 mm-hmm. or after kids or when they're looking for a new challenge. This is like what you are doing is incredible.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I um, took kind of a background, you know, when I went to school at UC Santa Barbara, I was running there for a little while and I um, really struggled. Uh, It was just so cutthroat and I, um, I wasn't happy and like I didn't have friends on the team. And I like, you know, part of the reason I'm so passionate about you know having a voice as a woman is because like so many times in the sport women instead of picking each other up cut each other down and i experienced that quite a bit uh, as a collegiate athlete so i i quit before i even ran a race and i um uh had to take a break from school because of it. Uh and I found a passion for the outdoors and trails by through hiking the AT. Where actually I saw the guy who has the current Appalachian Trail record while I was through hiking. He was going the opposite direction. So Wait, I wasn't
0: ha- How old were you when you
1: were doing this? I was nineteen. Oh my and alone? Yeah. Well I had my dog with me for most of it, except for Maine. Um Wow. Yeah. Except for Maine? Yeah, oh, there's some like stricter dog rules oh, there. Got it. But um uh and uh yeah, and then um, then I went back to school and like totally wasn't running at all and was started working as like a backpack guide um, for a local guiding company and canoe guide on the lower Colorado by Mead um, Mead Lake in uh, Boulder City, Nevada, so we'd take a group out there. It was like I was doing it like at three trips a month i was guiding so you're Um, going to
0: school full time yeah
1: i was i was and uh and guiding on the weekends it didn't leave much time for anything else um and then i'd be working in the office doing gear stuff but luckily they were like they were so accommodating to my school schedule like i'd be working they knew i needed the money and so they'd help me um and like worked my like i'd be in the office but doing gear stuff and checking people in and out because it was a gear rental place too but I'd be
0: doing homework the entire time <laughs> so so you at a young age in college already figured out that something about the outdoors called to you oh totally and it, it was, was about like exploration
1: yeah but also I uh, it got me out of my own head like I've always been um I've kind of grown out of this a little bit but I was quiet. I, um, super introspective, you know, to a point where it wasn't healthy, you know, as just, you know, just in my own head to detriment to myself. And, um, I don't know, finding the outdoors not only helped me find like-minded people, but kind of helped me, you know, just find It sounds cheesy, but like find myself as a young woman a little bit. So
0: Yeah, but those times in life are so important. Oh, totally. Because most people, we might go through that soul searching, you know, Mm -hmm. experiment or exploration at one point in our life. But then 10 years later, we're different. And what matters to us is different, and we haven't tapped back into that. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. And so
0: now you know you already have that in your arsenal, this thing, this place to go to.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even if I'm not racing on trails or competing on trails, I always have the outdoors, whether like that's rafting or hiking or through hiking, you know, or skiing even, like I always have You know something like a release and i think that's so powerful
0: oh absolutely you know i remember when i first had my baby and when babies cry you sit there and you almost get panicked like what am i gonna do other than like whip out the boob and start nursing which uh definitely helps but people would say go outside take your baby outside Mm -hmm. it calms them oh and it so guess what we're just a bunch of big babies I know (laughs) so true (laughs) so okay so you're in college and you're a runner you obviously must have had some talent if you're running at UCSB Mm -hmm. and are you from the east coast or the west coast
1: um I'm from Hawaii actually so um went to school there yeah but that was a a while ago and that uh yeah, I, I consider home here,
0: for sure, wow. in Colorado. You know, we've spent a lot of time in Hawaii just because Iron Man's mm-hmm, there, but what mm-hmm. island did you grow up on? Mostly
1: the Big Island. Oh, really? I was kind of moving around quite a bit, cool. yeah.
0: Well, you know, this is interesting, because earlier you mentioned something about swimming, and you're going for a bike ride after this uh, interview. I know, I know. So what's going on here? Um,
1: I, I don't know. I've always... If I were to do a triathlon type of thing, I would probably do Xterra stuff, um, which I have thought about uh, quite a bit in the last year, just because, I don't know, it's it's fun to challenge yourself in new ways, you know? And um, I've kind of, I don't want to say I've got the running thing down because you're always learning, but, you know, I've been doing it for a long time and I have a lot of experience, but, like, how fun would it be to just, like, hop into something that you're just so... Uh, the underdog for not just the underdog but just so unprepared you know (laughs)
0: well and that's that maybe we should lead into the western states yeah um i mean there's there's a couple other cool things that happened leading up though that helped you uh the the fact that you had to come out of your shell is now non-negotiable partly because Mm -hmm. of your stand on being a a voice for women yeah uh tell us about the race that you did the endurance 100 canyons canyons Canyons. endurance Mm -hmm. 100k um so
1: that's a pretty uh well-known sport just because it's on the western states course and Mm -hmm. a lot of western states champions uh, past champions have used canyons as a training run for western states which was like kind of my plan but mostly it just really fit in the schedule and i heard great things about the race director and um so i went and i went in with a very specific time goal which was a former western states champion magdalena bolette it was her time and i um raced and i got that time goal but uh you know there it was it was crazy because there was just no women's coverage of the race you know as far as like there's a, this guy announcing and he left but that's you know unimportant you can't blame put the blame on anyone but there's no podium picture for women's and there was no you know post-race interview like there was for the men and you know all of these things like I've they've happened to me before in races and I just couldn't sit back and be okay with it this time you know because and I I like I was less than an hour behind the first man and like that's
0: nothing yeah you were eighth overall right yeah I think I was sixth overall yeah
1: I um or maybe even yeah I was I was definitely well in the top 10 and like I, I I just don't uh yeah and I I just with all of those things I was trying to like Address how easy it was to forget the women's race. You know, not pointing fingers at anyone. And I just wanted to say, like, hey, this is you know, it's it's not fine. But like, let me point out what what went wrong, and like, let's have a discussion about how we can fix it and how we can work together so both men and women are covered equally. Um, because race coverage opens up opportunities, and not that I like ever ran for like money or. You know glory but if it if i'd saw that seen that happen to the a women a woman's champion that wasn't me i'd i still strongly believe i'd say something and um it's funny because like i i don't know if i should say this on the air but um it's just funny that like it the irony of that whole thing is that it What I said that just it was easy to for the women's race to get overshadowed by the male, like the male presence in the sport, got overshadowed by a male accusing me of like p- pointing the blame, and like so just the irony of that just like <laughs> the whole point got overshadowed by so, one person's anger you know and it's just like such a larger issue
0: so you posted a blog yeah it got a lot of attention you called out the fact that this happened and then instead of addressing the fact that it happened uh, a guy said you shouldn't say anything about why it happened without knowing all the facts and something th- like and that and like
1: what's unimportant is I did a lot of fact checking before that
0: right okay um and
1: so I you know because it was a such a I was so scared and I didn't want to it's a big thing to put out there yeah and I didn't want any reason for anyone to be
0: you know what Kat this is one of those decisions you made that could change your life yeah pushing publish on that post Mm -hmm. well hopefully it changes someone else's
1: life you Mm -hmm. know my life is unimportant And the issue and the greater issue you know that's what I I wanted to address it so it wouldn't happen again and so women who because it happens constantly so someone would be like hey this isn't okay I'm being mistreated and I know I'm being mistreated and I know that it's okay to say something even though it's gonna have some backlash you know which it will but you
0: you know that is the the way you described it is just incredible I mean, seriously. Well, here's the point, though. It means that you have to keep pushing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that um, with this Western States win, I, you know, with so much attention suddenly suddenly on me, attention that, like, I never expected to have in my life and something I never pursued even, like, I have, you know, I've I've tried to figure out what I want to do with this because I don't want to just, you know, it's an opportunity to use it. And I, and I think, you know, it's a really good opportunity to advocate for women and like put on girls camps and like do all those, because I have a background in education and I think I'd be doing myself and the opportunity a disservice and disrespect if I didn't go forward with something I'm so passionate about
0: um I definitely want to flush out that girls camp thing for sure with you now you were a teacher by trade right yeah I was a kindergarten teacher Mm -hmm. and that in itself requires a lot of patience (laughs) and problem solving and you know hanging in there Mm -hmm. so these are all things you use in ultra running wow cool um well, let's, let's go back to the concept of being an underdog, right? Yeah. So when you went into Western states, I read an article that was hilarious. It <sighs> said that there were ballots that people could submit based on who they think would win the race. And there were 1,100 ballots and only one predicted you would win, which is... Point one percent. Yeah, actually, that was a little biased because that was my boyfriend. That <laughs> so really nobody did. Um, so, how does it? How did it feel to be an underdog? Um, you know, I didn't feel like I was an
1: underdog going to the race. I felt humbled by all of the incredible women around me, but I did not feel like an underdog. You know, I knew what. I could do on my perfect day and by no means did i know that would mean a win but i knew i was strong and i knew i was fitter than i've ever been um and again that doesn't equate to being better than anyone else but i knew i was in the best shape to run the best race that i could and that's what mattered to me of course i had a goal of top 10 but that was in the back of my mind as long like i just wanted to execute and that was my a goal and i told that to my coach before i told that to Ryan my boyfriend before and to my crew I just said I want to execute I just want to have a good day out there and um
0: you were like a a professor yeah um just going at it and you know that brings up to me like what is the definition of being an underdog anyway
1: yeah I mean you are whatever whatever you label yourself with so you're not an underdog unless someone tells you you are or unless you believe someone that tells you
0: so that and that's an amazing way to put it. You are whatever you label yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I've made the mistake before of going into a race and being like, oh, these guys are so fast. Like, I'll just, you know, cruise because I have no chance, you know. And I think, I mean, I had a terrible race there. So I think um, going into it with this mentality, just like executing was the priority
0: okay so you went into it. you had a plan so this race was hot Mm -hmm. compared to other years potentially maybe in the 80s for much of the race or oh way higher (laughs) i would have been lucky if it
1: was in the 80s um uh it was a hundred in where the crew spots were in the canyons people (laughs) said it was 15 degrees hotter than that um oh god it was yeah it was toasty for sure and definitely they say it's in the for average temperatures for the entire day um, it didn't hit the highest temperatures, but they say for it because it didn't never cooled off at night. They're saying it was in the top five hottest years of the race. Oh, my god! yeah.
0: Which is incredible. So, you know, you can't look at records or anything like that because it, there's the weather is a big, you Well, know. the snow in the first oh, 25, right. the snow and the mud. I've been so
1: I was I've like scratches on my knees from post tolling so much because uh, the snow got soft. What's a post hole um, Post tolling is when you stick your leg sticks through the snow all the way. And uh, postholing is when it all like all of your steps are just like punching through the
0: snow, and the snow even cuts into your shins. That's or- what it. Yeah,
1: I've been nursing some little scratches. Ugh. But then the mud too, since it there was so much. It was you know record temperatures for that time of year, the week leading up to states. So because of that, there was so much melt that it just left these mud bogs in where I'd step in the bog, and lift up my foot and all i'd have was my sock and my shoe was so deep that i'd look down to go find my shoe and i couldn't see it
0: oh uh, yeah. my god so i'd have
1: to <laughs> get on my hands and knees this happened twice and like look for it and yeah it's kind of hysterical but oh, my,
0: okay so this is a hundred mile run the first uh 20 25 ish yeah yeah we're in crazy snow mud conditions yeah. what time of day do you start 5 a.m 5 a.m and you had did you didn't have a time goal
1: I did have a time goal. No, I, Knowing the conditions, I made a time goal that I knew I could reach, because I knew it, the course was going to be at least an hour slower this year. Um, so I made the time goal of 19.30, um, which is what I ran.
0: It, uh, the, it just, it's mind-blowing. This is like magic happening. Right now. <sighs> okay so the first 25 miles are crazy are you in a position that you were happy with when you I'm came out of that part? Okay, I'm way, way
1: behind I'm way behind anyone which like you know I let myself kind of get frustrated in the first 20 miles I would say like out of any point in the day that was my lowest spot so just what, be because yeah. I was so you know I couldn't you know it wasn't I I don't know why I let myself get frustrated I knew it was going to be like that I I didn't know the mud but like I, I knew it was going to be slow, and that's why I allotted for an extra hour in my time goal than I knew I was capable of, because I knew it was going to like be horrendous conditions.
0: So so what do you do when you're only 25 miles into a 100-mile uh, run, and you're frustrated? How do you get yourself out of that negative place?
1: You just have to make a commitment to get out of that. So what I did is I got onto the dirt, and I told myself, I was like, You're not going to get frustrated again for the rest of the day. I said this out loud to myself. So I'm speaking to myself and I said to myself that I was not going to let myself, you know, and this is a silly lofty, lofty goal, but when you're racing and you're down, you have to make lofty goals. I said, uh, this, I'm not going to get passed for the rest of the day by a man or a woman. And,
0: um, I didn't, so it worked, (laughs) I'm not saying it always (laughs) will, but (laughs) in this case it did. Wow. So what's kind of crazy, though, is you had the most difficult part in the beginning. Mm -hmm. A lot of people experience the really difficult stuff, like with 10% left to go in a race.
1: and don't get me wrong, I suffered in the last, well, I didn't suffer in the beginning. I was, you know, but there's a difference between suffering and a mental low. You can suffer and still fight, you know? When you have a mental low, you're not fighting, you
0: know? So what would you say is most important? Um, talent, hard work, or mental toughness,
1: mental toughness. I am by no means the most talented person in that field. I would not even, I wouldn't say close to the most talented, but like Hmm. I, you know, I know how to suffer and I, you know, call it sick, but like my favorite part of that race was the last 20 miles when I had a two time Olympian on my heels and, uh, you know, was hurt. I hadn't eaten in three hours, so I was super low on calories. I was suffering, but that is my favorite part of the race because I was pushing, and I know I didn't leave anything out there. I would be as happy with that performance if I'd gotten 15th and still put that effort out there. Um, yeah. So.
0: so how do you train your mind? How do you become mentally tougher? Are you born with it? Um.
1: <laughs> I mean, I always think it can be conditioned. It's just you got to make a commitment. You got to know it's going to hurt and you got to make you got to be OK with it hurting.
0: So like you need to do training that puts you in a place uh, where you're tested. I would say like, yeah, that's great. Any time that you can make yourself uncomfortable, that's awesome.
1: But you don't even need that. You just need to when you, things start to hurt during a race. Or during training, you just have to be like, okay, I this hurts, and it's okay, and I'm still gonna finish, and I'm still gonna do the best that I can because, you know,
0: you you've expected the pain, and um, so it's about embracing oh, the totally. pain it's instead to- of trying to make it go away. It's not gonna go away. <laughs>
1: you know, you can never if you're running the race that you're capable of, you'll you'll never be not hurting.
0: So you you know, we're not gonna go through every mile. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough time. Yeah. You know, you gotta get out and do a bike ride soon. <laughs> um although it is thundering here, you may have heard our lovely thunder. I know. And this uh, is
1: actually an indoor cycle I've been doing oh, lots it
0: of. Yeah. Oh good. Yeah. Oh that's so cool. Okay. I know. So um but there's something about this word suffering and I know that the people listening can relate to this because as much as we dread it, we crave it. Oh so what drew you to ultra running in the first place? Like what about this crazy sport I don't know I, I think
1: I've been attracted to extremes my whole life and who knows what it is like when I decided to be a backpacker I'd the entire Appalachian Trail you know it, yeah and, uh, with nothing with like some moccasins like I brought a I think some Budweiser and <laughs> some peanut butter and like I would only went out to do like eight days or something like that but I um you know decided you know I saw people doing it and I knew it was possible and I was like oh, I can do that I think and I um same thing goes with running you know I saw I th- but uh, you know how it happened is on the east coast still I have a lot of family on the east coast so I that's how I was introduced to the Appalachian Trail and stuff I was like looking up trail runs on the internet and I saw this north to south run and uh um it's like 88 miles and you run from north the very north part of Rhode Island to the very south and uh you dip your feet in the ocean both you know in at the north side and the south and I saw this trail run and I read some blog and some guy did it in 18 hours and I was like huh and this like I hadn't run for a couple years I'd already hiked the Appalachian Trail and I was like but I was looking for trail runs because I like wanted to start progressing and i, I not like performing but like I still wanted to start running again I was ready and um I told my godmother about it and I was like hey it looks like they call it a crew I think you can like there's places you can stop and like feed me and stuff and (laughs) call it um, a crew (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and um and my godmother at first was she was like yeah I'm all in and then she kind of realized like what the commitment was (laughs) 18 hours like if I yeah and 18 hours was like best case because that's what you know I I'd, I'd, I'd only run like I think my longest run ever was 10 miles okay and um wow I uh um and then we went out and I bought some running shoes because I didn't have any I hadn't owned any since school and I um and I went and I did it and I didn't make the whole thing because my godmother was kind of she you know she she wanted to sleep in her old bed that her own bed but I did it I think I got like close to 50 miles and and um and then like I took some time off and then I got a tax return back like almost you know 8 months later or so then I signed up for my first 50k and first 100. So hundred. you got some money back from the government?
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Why not sign I signed up for an ultra run? Exactly.
1: <laughs> Two, I signed up for my first 50k and 100 oh miles on the gosh. same sitting.
0: So at work. you just knew you've been called to this. But you need a gateway to it, so this was the gateway.
1: Yeah, that was the gateway and it's been such like a cool you know, I was never you know, I you know, doing the best that I I can personally do has always been really important to me, but like not not winning, you know. I I never I just like have the amazing support of so many people and like that community is what it has kept me going. So
0: well, let's, uh, let's talk about the support you had on, at Western States then. Mm-hmm. Let's finish the race. Let's pretend the 50 middle miles, you know, happened and they were fine. Mm-hmm. And you're coming down the last 20 miles and you're really suffering. And you said Magda was uh, not too far behind yeah. you. She's running well and she's a former Olympian, right? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of running scared a little. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't even call it scared but i'd say because like it wasn't fear but it was guts you the know? pressure was it on. was it was pressure yeah totally and mm-hmm. that's it was pressure and it was guts and uh i couldn't let the gas off and um so smith ryan smith my pacer picks me up at like mile 78 or something it's right before it's at the river so you run down the 16 miles and i ran that with my other pacer and then ryan smith picks me up at mile uh 78 and um at the river, we we know that Magda is, is like eight minutes behind, I think. Whoa! And I'm like, and that's the last information we got for the rest of the race. So we had no wow. idea for that last twenty. Um, and I, I my stomach went sour, so I was only doing little sips of ginger ale. And like ten miles later, I'd even stopped that. So, um, yeah, we just like we had no idea. We just were running really hard. We ran every single climb except for one. And, um, I don't know, it was just pure guts every single time I I wasn't eating. So when I stopped, I'd get really dizzy. And, um, so we just stopped stopping. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I don't know. I, then it ended up, I I think I might've been running the climbs a little bit better because we started gapping her on the sections with more, the most climbs. And I ended up putting in, I think like 18 to 20 minute gap on her by the end. And, I, I ran so hard, and um, hitting Robbie Point, you have one mile left, oh. I still, I didn't, you know, I'm just running, just trying not to get beat, and so I, you have one mile left, and like, at Robbie Point, your crew is allowed to come, your entire crew, so I had like 10 people, you crest up this climb, and it's the last part of trail, it's the only time you're on asphalt in the entire race, it's road, it's in a neighborhood, and you crest up that road, and all of a sudden, I see 10 headlamps waiting to run with me, and I i'm like and i still have a mile left and it's like kind of a hard mile you know it's a big client not big com- comparatively but it felt big and um and uh, i i like remember telling ryan looking over to ryan being telling him i hurt so bad because the asphalt was just pounding my quads oh. and ryan looked over and said cat it doesn't matter um but just that I, you know, it was crazy having so many people in that last mile, like oh. I'm so fortunate and I hit the track and they were all there and
0: I just get goosebumps thinking about it. Cause you do one full loop on the track, right? You do. Yeah, you do. And, um, and was it dark out? It was dark out. Yeah. I finished it, uh, 1230. At awesome. Night, yeah. Awesome. Um, and so when you crossed the line, did they call your name? Yeah. Yeah. They called <laughs> my name they called my name and I got a finish line interview, um,
1: which was funny uh and then um i sat another big thing i sat in the drug testing tent for two and a half hours waiting to pee which i because you
0: were dehydrated you couldn't pee oh yeah but
1: i think the best part of the race is that i got drug tested because that is the first time that that race has had drug testing great yeah amazing yeah took a long time but Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know they brought out a cop for me yeah i changed my clothes right there you know
0: yeah Um, that's great and um it's good so i take it you're clean yep <laughs> yep <laughs> good well and that's a whole nother issue you know your sport is sort of getting more popular and mm-hmm. treading into the area where people are going to start using performance enhancing drugs and, and there's been some cases of it
1: yeah like ryan smith my pacer i forget exactly what place he got at utmb but um it's like sixth or seventh but he uh someone in front of him was a Caught, got caught doping his drug test was not clean and so Ryan Smith got to move up a spot but you know it's not the same as yeah. crossing the finish line in fifth instead
0: of sixth you know? I know it's true you know you talked a little bit about nutrition during mm-hmm. the race I actually opened this up to my run this world Facebook group and some of your fans were asking questions and one of them asked you know I really want to understand how her nutrition went what does she actually carry
1: yeah that so kind of stuff I've had a lot of struggle with nutrition in races um I either it's become kind of like a joke because I either do really well and, you know, win or throw up the entire time. You know, there's no in-between, it doesn't seem like. But, um, so this, at Canyons, I, like, really found a plan that worked for me. And I just used the same thing at the race um it can, at western states and it's roctane until and i was doing roctane until like mile 60 but there's, there's like less crew there okay. so that's why i switched to ginger ale and that's a big reason why i stopped being able to eat it's because i stopped doing roctane
0: is roctane goo yep it's a goo product mm-hmm. goo energy okay.
1: product and it's uh, ro- they have roctane gels but i'm talking about the liquid so mm-hmm. it's a, it's liquid calories and it's okay. powder and it's got like 250 calories and Which, like, if you're doing 250 calories an hour, you are doing well. And that roctane's pretty easy for me to put down. And then I was, uh, during the beginning, I tried to get as much solid food as I did. So I'd do goo, goo stroop waffles, and then I'd put, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sponsored by this frosting company. Mm -hmm. It's coconut oil frosting. It's It's called called Frosted? Frosted, Mm -hmm. right. Um, And I was putting that on stroop waffles, and they also made like, Goo packages for me, or like you know, gel type packages. So it was individual servings, um, and I was doing those towards the beginning, and then uh, towards the end, the last third of the race, I was just doing ginger ale. I think I ate a couple pickles. In the end, there's a picture of me like waving at people, and I have the pickle in my hand, and the pickle's <laughs> so big, it's like as big as my hand. Oh it's my so god! Funny,
0: yeah. Okay. We, we're not going to go there, but that is, that's that's going to be a photo that. Oh, great. Yeah, I'll yeah, send it to you. Yeah, that'll take <laughs> you through your life, your bachelor party. I love <laughs> it. Um, wow. So nutrition is, it's a beast. I mean, I, from Ironman racing, it is too. It's a, it's a puzzle, and it changes depending on the weather and the mm-hmm. conditions, the heat, how much sodium and electrolytes and like you need. And, like, your
1: body chemistry changes yes. day to day, especially women, you know. Yeah. And And um, so nailing that is always hard, but, like, I don't know. That's one thing that you do have to practice. I feel like
0: absolutely. Wow. Okay. So so if people were to get started in ultras, or they feel like they want to get started, what what's a good race or two that you would recommend? A good race or two. Wow. There are so many races for like a you know someone who's like you know I've run a marathon or two. I'm like I like trail running. I want to try a 50k. Um. So born to run
1: 50k. Uh. That was one, it's one of Lewis Escobar's races, and it's super, it's so fun because there's, it's a festival, so there's, like, seven or eight different races ranging from zero miles, it's the lowest, you can register just to hang out at this festival, and then there's a 200-mile race, and it goes on, it's in, like, mid-May, and it goes on for, like, five days, and, um, you can take as much time, This fifth, the cutoff for the 50k is the same cutoff as it is for the, uh, 200 so you can take as long as you want in the 50k and like love it and so but you can also run it as fast as you want too. like it's a pretty fast course you know um it's, it has beautiful ranch views it's in oh california um and uh and also just lewis is just such a you know he's gonna laugh for me saying this but he's such a good guy um he he really is and he's been super supportive of my running uh I mean, he hasn't always supported me doing the longer stuff because I'm so young, but he's been, when I've been like, Lewis, I'm doing this, um, he's always been, you know, supportive and giving of advice. I also double I crossed the Grand Canyon with him the first time, the first time I did that, which is like one of the most special memories I have. So I, and like, you'll meet some amazing people at that race, race. Yeah. You can get a tattoo there. I did. Oh, <laughs> is it? What is it? It says, so, oh gosh, I don't know if I should tell the story, but I will. But there's this guy that used to work that fe- f- festival, and his name was Tattoo Mike. Occasionally, he won by Drunk Mike. And um, I, I got the tattoo there uh, after a 50K race at about 3.30 in the morning. Um, and it says Run Wild on it. And it uh, has a little, little runner on it. You know, it's nothing special. I wouldn't call it art, but it has uh, incredible memories attached it meaning. to it. has so
0: Exactly, exactly. It's huge. It's when you're not going to be embarrassed and want to take off later in life. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I Yeah, not embarrassed of it yet, but I just I like kind of people ask about it and I kind of chuckle because it's such a funny story, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely! Had, like but I th- got this tattoo in a trailer. You know, these are the things you got to do. Yeah, exactly. Right, you're going with it. You're living this lifestyle, and you are young. And you mentioned mm-hmm. that for ultra running, which often sees people like in their second or third athletic career, kind exactly. of moving into this. So, what other athletic pursuits are in the back of your mind and like a bucket list for Ooh. the rest of your life? I don't know, just longevity, not just in this sport, but all sports. Like
1: I wanna, you know, I love skiing. Skiing, you know, is a huge, you know, passion and pass. It's not quite the same kind of passion as running is, um, but just like getting out and ski touring. and like testing yourself and uh, you, cool. have, yeah, it's super cool. And like, I've been, you know, and say I, I lose my legs for whatever reason. And I uh, have a background rafting too. So um, I, I just want to be outside as much as I can. And really for like, as far as athletic careers go, if I can just make sure I'm outside uh, all seasons, then you know, then that's success to me.
0: So what's the most important thing you do every day?
1: um there's a lot of things you know i'm totally a creature of habit i'd say breakfast is one of them um i'm breakfast uh as far as i i eat like kim and jake's cake for breakfast occasionally so it's not always healthy but just like (laughs) enjoying my breakfast is Ah. really important to me like it's a ritual i'm ritualistic you know i have my breakfast i journal um to fulfill like that intellectual craving that I have. I didn't really when I, during the school year last year, but I'm not teaching right now or will not be next year. So it's a lot easier and I have a lot more time. Um, what else? Oh yeah, and this is something that I do a lot. I do two one minute planks every single day. I'd say it usually ends up being five days a week, but I make the goal of every single day. And I'm starting to get my boyfriend Ryan to do that. And I think just like, you know, the benefit might be more psychological than physical. Like, ha, planks are amazing for you. You know, they can help back pain. That's why I actually started. I, I got in a car accident since I have terrible low back pain, and um the planks have kind of relieved that a little bit. And um, and now my boyfriend has really bad back pain, so I've just started making him do them, too. It's
0: like contagious or something. Yeah. It's core something. work, you know, it's, and, and that is important, but you're right. Yeah. There's a deeper meaning, and it's bringing you closer in a relationship. Exactly. You share this little secret Oh,
1: totally but also the mental side just like having something that I dedicate two minutes to every single day whether I'm in training or not I think I took a week off after states but like whether I'm in training or not this is something that I'm actively doing to make myself the best that I could be you know and it's just like that you don't need a lot of time and I'm kind of proving that to myself you know and it's I don't know it's powerful in a lot of ways
0: I agree okay so since your win at western states has life changed
1: um i'd say it quite has it hasn't quite changed yet because i'm still in my little boulder bubble but i'm definitely it has changed on the opportunities you know it uh i think as soon as i've kind of figure out what i want that to mean it will change and um i'm starting to see that but definitely doing more interviews and stuff going from zero to a hundred there but just as far as like uh the next steps in my life it's definitely changed the course of what i'm going to be doing
0: well i have a challenge then for our listeners because you know part of your platform is to get women on the same playing field as men you know you were considered the underdog as other people (sighs) labeled Uh you now you're not all eyes are on you and we need to get you some big time paying sponsors (laughs) so come on listeners you want to sponsor cat bradley hey She's uh, She's got arms wide open, lots of opportunity right now, and she's got to make some decisions. So uh, we'll put this on Facebook and see if anybody has any connections for you. Oh, thank you, guys. Oh, I love oh. it. We're doing it. Or
1: just if you want to contact me and say hi. <laughs> My, uh, you know. That too. Um. It's not
0: all about the opportunity. But actually, on that note, with all eyes on you, I'm curious as to you mentioned girls' camps. Is anything forming a little more concretely in what you what your vision is to help other women and girls in the future
1: um I'm moving in that direction I'm uh it really you know all depends on like who I'm working with on this but I'm um I I don't know I it's been so crazy and I have so many ideas I just need to narrow them down and work with someone but I do have a couple things coming up in uh 2018 that um will be announced and uh, I'm
0: super excited about this. So all right, put me out. on your press list. Oh, I totally we'll get it out will there. <laughs> we'll get out there. All right. One final question. This is a question I ask of every person who comes on the show, by mm-hmm. the way, I wish I could sit with you and run our, an ultra uh, together uh, today, uh, but this podcast is based around the average time it takes to do a 5k. Oh, which is 30. It's 36 minutes and 38 seconds. You know,
1: my first 5k when I was like, I don't know, super young. Um, I uh, what I got cut from the JV volleyball team and that's why I joined the cross country team and I think it was around thirty six minutes.
0: Then this was meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've gone just over. We're at like forty one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that last question now. If you could give our listeners one piece of advice, one final nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Love
1: what you're doing with no expectations. Do not like eh, there's no need, you know? You're running because you like to run or because you want to like to run and putting expectations on yourself. Like may, maybe at one point do it, you know, have goals. I think that's great, but I think that's different than expectations. Like if you're like looking at your watch, trying to run a certain pace, then you're not present, you know? Or if you're, you know, frustrated with yourself for the conditions, running in the snow like I was, then, then you're not present. So I just would, you know, unless you're like trying to go for some kind of world championship or something just let go of those running can be such a special thing and if you're present and otherwise it can be kind of torturous so
0: i love this i'm sorry timex and all those watch (laughs) companies but we're gonna say hashtag shed the watch (laughs) and just be there yeah all right well thanks for being here today with me this was awesome i really appreciate what you're doing out here i know whatever it is that wherever you go next the world's going to be a better place because you're in it thank you so much thanks cat how great is that cat bradley I just love her, you know, she is on the cusp of greatness and always, I mean, you may say she's already found it and I think she has tapped into some of her potential, but to already be able to spout out incredible life lessons like love what you're doing with no expectations I mean, there's some wisdom there and she, there's so much more for her to do in this great big wide open world. I'm sure you, you got something out of this episode, you know, whether it is deciding what you want to label yourself or figuring out how to get out of, out of the dark place. As she says, you just make a commitment to get out of it. Is it really that simple? You know, maybe it really truly is. Um, I think Kat is going to prove to the world that, that there is a much greater wide open horizon than we thought possible. I can't wait to see what she goes on to do in this world. And now that you've listened to the entire episode, I, uh, I also want to announce that we are going to do some sort of giveaway. So I want you to check the Facebook post that I put out there. Uh, Sign up for the Run This World with Nicole DeBoom podcast group. You can just check, you know, search that group on Facebook and go ahead and sign up. We're definitely going to have a post on there. Uh, We talked about the fact that we would like to support her smaller sponsors, those smaller brands that are either getting off the ground or have an incredible local product. If you live in Boulder, you're gonna be able to get something from Real Athlete Diets. Our friends over there, Kelly and Morgan, are gonna be giving something awesome away. It's called Rad for a reason. Um, And then also, really cool new startup in Boulder called Frosted, F-R-O-S-T, apostrophe D, um, coconut oil-based frosting. It is absolutely delicious. She has five flavors. So go on over there and check out that post and see what you have to do to win because we are all about giving back today. All right, everybody, enough is enough. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and we'll see you next week.